0: Today I have another inspiring conversation for you with Jeremy Otto. He is a transformational and dynamic educational leader who was recently appointed to the role of Director of Teaching and Learning at Westbourne Grammar School. He is responsible for the strategic leadership of teaching and learning of staff and students from P to 12. This forms a pivotal role in realising his school's vision of shaping learners who inspire the world. In this wide-ranging conversation we talked about many things including leadership, mentorship and how to protect your calendar so that you can do what matters most. I hope that you get as much out of this wide-ranging conversation as I did. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks uh, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: No problem, where are you phoning in from? Phoning in from Melbourne,
1: Victoria. i uh, originally a Brisbane boy, but i in um, Victoria, which is great. Challenging the weather.
0: Fantastic. What's the weather like down in Melbourne?
1: It's changed today. We're definitely in, moving towards winter. So the seasons are changing.
0: It seems to change every day in Melbourne. When I was studying down there, you kind of have to pack for all four seasons in a day. Is that still true? Still definitely true
1: um, and so much so it's changed me that when I do go back home to Brisbane, my family laugh because I do take a jumper with me out for no reason when it's 22 degrees.
0: Um, nice one. Good. Nice one. So quite possibly the most important uh, question we have for our discussion, uh, what's your coffee order or drink of choice? Oh, I'm definitely a long black
1: uh, guy during the day and uh wow. in the evening.
0: So long black, what do you think that says about you?
1: Oh, there's I, someone has deconstructed my coffee order before. <laughs> uh, let's just say I started on a milky coffee one day, and, and milk has never really agreed with me, right? There's never the milk alter- alternatives as well. So I've landed on a long black,
0: right? Because the reason why I ask um, is is I'm considering dropping the milk, um, but I just can't. I can't. Ugh find the strength to pay $5 for hot water. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting more value for money with milk. Yeah, look, I would agree with you
1: there, but there is something very nice around a nice, good coffee that is a long black. I'm really well. So, yeah, I haven't ever gone back and it's been a couple of years now. Nice um, one. Also living, I did live overseas for a large part, like 10 years of my life, and um, it was a way to guarantee just coffee that is, Going to turn out okay. There's not a lot of error margin. For error.
0: <laughs> nice one. And uh, is there an item, uh, Jeremy, that's still on your bucket list that you would like to tick off? Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Travel is a big part of me and who I am as a person. So probably Antarctica um, would definitely be one. Either one of those flyovers that Qantas do from Sydney, right. or uh, cruise, which um, I think I'll still be saving for in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> um of South America would be quite amazing. That would be a big ticket item for me. Nice
0: one. Nice one. And is there a book that you have read either within your expertise in education or more broadly that has stopped uh, that has caused you to stop and reconsider a few things in your life?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. One uh one that I'm reading at the moment, which is the courage to be disliked. Right. And- yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, it's it's based on that Japanese phenomenon about how to free yourself. Um, I have
0: that on my uh, Audible to to listen to. It's funny you mentioned that. It came up today. Yeah, uh, I, I remembered I still had that.
1: You know, there's so many books out there that talk around, you know, how to be the best leader or how to be the best person and all those things. But the reality is and you know, I'm I'm a leader within the school, so you kind of just have to accept that sometimes' not going to be liked
0: yeah um
1: and being okay with that I means something with yeah. your own skin and yeah I'm just one of those people that just loves evolving and reading and growing yeah. wherever I can so yeah just another facet I'm being like wow that's a really some of the interesting things coming out are being really great
0: would you say uh, Jeremy that you're a um a recovering people pleaser um or are you getting uh are you getting uh more used to that feeling of realizing that not everyone is going to agree or like the decisions that you make.
1: Um, yeah, that's a, re- a really interesting question, actually, because I come from a space of being a drama teacher earlier on in my career. Right. So that whole idea around working with people and understanding people and has always been a part of who I am. Um, I think it just comes with the nature of the territory. Really, mm. uh, I'm okay to be liked, but I think on face value, deep down, does anyone really like it? Yeah. Um, I think it's how we process it and kind of deal with that in a way, knowing that the separation between sometimes things right. aren't personal, they're professional, and that's exactly. okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting space because our natural human emotion is not to go not to go there and not to want to be disliked. Yeah. Um, I think it's something I've grown to be more comfortable in the last, I would say, five to seven years. Right. My early career as a leader, I would think it's definitely something that weighs on your mind, mm. but something that you're very comfortable with, it's just okay. It's the nature of the gig.
0: Yeah, and I I would totally agree, and I think um, I, I have had the privilege of being in my role for, um, gosh, a number of years. It seems like yesterday, um, but a number of years now, and I think I was kind of crippled early on with this feeling of um wanting to be liked and there's a difference i've learned between being liked and being respected um but i wanted to kind of please everyone and of course by doing that you end up not being able to please anyone and it's interesting though isn't it because obviously um my close friends and close family and my wife and my kids it's obviously very important that they like me um but do you, do you kind of find that that like are you able to separate sort of your personal life from your professional life are you have you got better at that or uh, talk to me about that?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I worked in a really amazing international school for 10 years in Hong Kong. And one of the things that uh, really stood out for me is that your life as an expat, as a teacher, and living in an international city where I was in Hong Kong is very much centric on the world's crossover. Very, very, there's very blurred boundaries, unlike exactly. Strauss. You are holidaying and working and living with uh, colleagues and you'd be out on the weekend and colleagues would be there or part of your life or that sort of thing. Um, and I think from those experiences, there are a lot of moments where there are a lot of learning around, well, what are boundaries? Mm. What do they look like? And I think as um, I'm a person that likes to evolve and change every three to five years, right. That's um, interesting. I'll never be a life friend of school, if that makes sense. I don't, I won't have a career in one context. Um, but what I have really enjoyed is the different contexts I've been. I think every time I've moved on, um, I re I re-enter a workplace with a new sense of, okay, what does this mean for me? what does this look like? Uh, where, what do I what do I need in terms of uh, my professional right aspect? It's interesting around friendships because you kind of just move to a space I feel especially now where I have a really amazing, friendship circle a really amazing family mm. uh, so sure, uh you know there's some great people that will come along um but it's it's one of those things where is work that wondering is is work a workplace do you need friendships in order to be fulfilled at work um it's yeah. a really interesting uh one that i've seen a lot of people grapple with
0: so uh you mentioned and I, I feel uh, there's so many things you've said there that i can relate to i was born overseas and i felt like i've never sort of truly belonged anywhere um, and also I feel like every three to five years I get this niggling or this itch uh, just out of interest Jeremy how long have you been in your current role and are you, are you feeling the are you feeling the itch yet
1: not at all I've been in it six months so right okay I turned four in my new role yeah and loved it uh, my last role I was in it for four years right. so um, and it was just the right time Right. and I
0: moved at the
1: right time
0: so so what what do you what do you think that is like if you look back on y- your personality and your um characteristics um why do you think it's around that why do you think you begin to seek other things after that time frame um are you just endlessly curious uh what do you think it is
1: I think there's two lo- ways of looking at it um I look at it through the employee, employer's lens who sometimes looks at around, uh, does this person have longevity or can they stick? And some there are there is a generation of employees yeah. out there who look at that as is he, is he skinny, does it keep moving? Yeah. I very much look at it through the area of growth, uh, the area about being curious. Uh, I also love research and evidence and understand that impact in a role is a three to five year longevity. And unless you reinvent yourself or your role changes, your impact to influence change, to influence people, declines, um, especially towards the five-year mark. Interesting. Um, And so for me, uh, I'm very curious around. Well, how can I impact the outcomes for the people in the care? Like knows our students and some teachers. My conscious around. I'm hungry to grow, hungry to learn, Mm. um, and not being stale
0: yeah so what do you think um, and this this is quite a broad question, Jeremy, so feel free to answer it however you see fit. Um, but how do you think uh, you have adapted and changed over your career in education and also more specifically, what is something that you have changed your mind about when it comes to teaching and leading?
1: I think um I think education especially in this current age is a very challenging space. Um, leadership of, of grappling with workload, uh, working with our colleagues around workload, around what does it mean to educate uh, around the changing paradigm. You know that's that's moved on um, since you know the, the the pandemic. For me, I guess um, I stepped away from education for a year, from being in, in a school specific setting, um, and it was probably one of the best things for me um, in that sort of sense. And I spent a year um, working for the International Baccalaureate, um, travelling literally around the world, uh, running workshops, authorising schools as a curriculum manager um, and that sort of space, and just found it absolutely rejuvenating um, in terms of me. And the one thing that probably has changed and I'm very clear around is the currency of the world in education is time. Every single context, no matter where you are, Uh, no matter what uh, background or, you know, sector will always argue that the the teaching staff will always argue for more time and there's never enough time, and that's just the reality of every single school worldwide. Um, So I think probably what has changed for me is that acceptance of that and, yes, listening, that time is important, but let's think around how to be more effective with our time in order to have, you know, those great outcomes. Um, so that's probably what i have seen just going in and out of different sectors and, and different countries and cultures um mm-hmm. is what that looks like
0: yeah and uh, jeremy there's so much in that um and i um before we move on to um your career in education and what brought you to our discussion today and all of those kind of things i just wanted to ask you um what has how has being a drama teacher um served you in your current role? What are some things that you've learned from teaching drama that you think have served you well uh, in your career in education?
1: Yeah, great question. At the moment, like I, you know, oversee teaching and learning from prep to year 12 in a, in a pretty large independent school. Um, so what do I look like that's important for me, for, for my colleagues is around working with people, being able to collaborate, uh, being able to stand in front of my colleagues at the beginning of the year and talk around a vision for teaching and learning um, and be passionate and articulate about it which is exactly what comes through from being a drama teacher. I often speak to students around um, and especially being um, in the senior school around why choose drama for year 11 and 12 and a lot of families um, and students have this perception that maybe you know that leads to a certain career and all those sort of things but I talk around the skills yeah. need to be successful in life and and these have come through through your podcast Matthew a lot around those sort of things but For me, they are a reality of my everyday. Yeah. Uh, In terms of being a drama teacher, I have to work with people, to talk with people. I I read kind of situations and can get a clear sense of okay. I can see that you're a little upset, or what does that Mm. look like? What do you need from me? And that empathy that comes from working with people and understanding people has just been something that um, I'm very lucky to uh, be working in that space.
0: yeah, I, I think that's really important. And do you feel that that has um, helped you to um, intuitively work with people from different backgrounds and different views? And do you think it's helped you bring people together, having that understanding of people?
1: Definitely. I think um, we have to think on our feet uh, and improvise and uh, be really quick to think around, well, what does this look like? What can we do? Um working with people is i guess number one i guess and relationships for me are number one when especially when it comes to me as an educator and me as a leader mm-hmm. um and those uh skills are very much i found built within a drama classroom context especially around that concept of trust um mm-hmm. you can't uh walk you know in a in a drama setting and perform with someone or that until there's some sense of comfort and trust and how do you build that and that's what we do and cultivate in it in drama classroom, through the use of games, through use of play, is that idea of trust that when I work with someone, um, I'm going to feel okay. And so I look at that translating into a workforce. What can we do to make people feel comfortable, to feel settled, to feel supported so that they can take risks or can voice their opinion?
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, Jeremy, take us back to to the beginning. What was your upbringing like and what are you most grateful for uh, from your family?
1: Yeah, uh, very, I look very lucky growing up and a family that really valued education um, and valued me. I am the product, and I say this with much love, of um, coming from two different very cultural backgrounds, my mum being originally from the Philippines, uh, my dad from Australia, um, and my mum really just loving and, and pushing us to do well um, with her whole heart. So we, we uh, Grew up in a household that really valued education, um, and an interesting one is like little things I remember clearly now. My my parents took away our television from Monday to Thursday, right? And um, we didn't have that as a as a just or as in our lives, I guess. From growing up, um, we all had a VCR that we could record our shows. I remember those? <laughs> um, I do remember talking to my sister and saying, "If you annoy me, I'm going to cut the tape." of your vcr so you don't have your vcr for the your tape for the weekend and just waiting for the saturday so we could watch our two hours of tape um, and that's all sense but growing up in a house that really cherished us and cherished education and was supportive of what we were doing i'm the only teacher um, in my family um, my family are really supportive and asked a lot of questions about what that means and what that looks like because we have very diverse careers um, but lucky that I remember doing my final PRAC uh, in the year twelve and at the end of my like my degree and having to do 14 weeks across 14 weeks in the last year of teaching practicum and my dad and my family saying to me, This is unsustainable. You can't be in a classroom all day, go home and then work a night job in order to put fuel in your car, in order to get to a prac, and just financially supporting me to get through to the very end. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm forever appreciative for that um, mm-hmm. because it was such a big moment, you know, to, to get to the end.
0: Yeah. I think we all uh, we all remember those days. I remember working in uh, far west, oh, not far western, but uh, western Sydney. Uh, sorry, yeah, I do my prac in western Sydney in a place called Mount Druid and then travelling to the city to be a porter at night at a, ritzy hotel and doing my lesson plans at two three in the morning afterwards and get like it was it was crazy but there was something um I found that time really formative I mean did what was that prac experience like for you and uh was it uh was it as challenging as most people say
1: um yes but I've (laughs) transformational for me yeah
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah I had a practicum teacher um Laura Duffield, and I hope she one day listens to this um, because she was transform- transformational in my career. And I often think back to the techniques and the approaches in in the classroom that are still with me right now. Oh, wow! I still remember the feedback and the things that uh, I've shared with teachers or come, you know, I've worked mm-hmm. with um, that are still amazing. Really, and my, my the person I work with should just was so gentle and caring with her feedback and I felt supported, trusted, where I could really just flourish. Amazing, Amazing. Felt really have,
0: great. You, <laughs> have you had the chance to, to to speak with Laura or to thank her or? No, I have. So I've a couple her. of years
1: when I was in, after I moved to Hong Kong, I did reach out and touch base um, and she did add and move to a different school. So we did touch base and say hello. And um, I did thank her. Like I, I am a big person that believes in appreciation right. uh, and, and that gratitude. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, there are things that I've done myself, but I've also been very thankful for the people that have helped me along the way.
0: And speaking of speaking of gratitude, Jeremy, how do you um, incorporate that into your life personally, but also more broadly um, in, uh, in terms of your leadership? Do you have. Cards that you hand out to people? Do you try and notice when people are doing the right thing? What's that process like for you both per- personally and more broadly um, in your leadership role?
1: Yeah, I think one of the interesting things is that there are a couple of values that cross over for both for me, mm. uh, both personally and professionally. Um, mm. And and firstly, that kindness kindness costs nothing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and being kind and, uh, you know, saying thank you and appreciating the small things goes a long way both uh, personally and professionally. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important um, for me in terms of my leadership. People very much come first, um, yeah. and we have to look after um, the people we work with. And I work with an amazing executive team who look out for each other, but also are very conscious around um, looking after you know our workforce and um, you know our colleagues in, in a very wholehearted, caring way. Yeah. Um, an email goes a long way. A thank you goes a long way. Um, a how are you doing? I, I noticed last week you did this, you know, that was really great for our students. Yeah. Um, goes away. And I think at the end of the day, um, you can learn these things and observe these things, but to be genuine, to have conversations, especially now coming back and really settling into face-to-face um, is really important. Um, a written card when it's uh, you know one of your team members' birthdays um, is something that is something that I practice that I try to do not because some, you know some people are very particular about their birthdays, but it's important to value the people around you. And I take yeah. that also into my personal life. Um, I think one of the biggest things is to be kind to oneself, mm. um, and also to show moments that of, you know, gratitude and appreciation of yourself. And I don't mean that in an egotistical...
0: Yeah, I think it's important. um,
1: I think for longevity in a career and education, um, slowing down is a really important thing. Yeah. Um, And and appreciating small things is a really beautiful thing as well.
0: Yeah. So two quick questions on that, Jeremy, and I, I promise we haven't spoken to anybody at your school, even though that would make for a fascinating podcast if we brought if we brought them into our conversation but what do you think people that work with you would say about you and your leadership and also uh what do you think people closest to you would say about what you're like um after the school day
1: interesting one and actually funnily enough a great interview question for when you for when you do interview for roles yes yeah look I really hope that my colleagues say that I am kind and I am, uh, in a way, uh, consultative. Yeah. Um, I do believe in bringing people on board and do believe in, um, you know, valuing people's in uh, valuing expertise, having and you know, listen to what people have to say. But then again, the flip side is, um, I just love a good time, love a laugh. Um, I love to, you know, life is life is. Can be challenging, so let's have a laugh. And you know, a day without laughing is, you know, a day wasted in my point of view. So it's important just to enjoy and embrace, um, yeah. you know, embrace what we have. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing I would hope they say is that I'm like research invested, yeah, uh, engaged, um, and I make decisions that are based on research and evidence and the best interests yeah. of our
0: students. And those, um, those closest to you, those at home or those in your immediate friendship circles. Uh, what do you think they would say about you? So we're taking our teacher and leadership hat off now.
1: Oh, well, look, my friendship group, I wouldn't actually trust them to say anything about me in, in a way because I know that uh, they would just be laughing at me, to be honest. Um, yeah.
0: That's yeah, a good thing. What's that? Sorry? I, I feel like that's a good thing. Um, that they can have a,
1: yeah, Like, they know I love to have a, like a wine at the end of the week. So um that there's so many things that they would say and so many things that i know they would just say i'm an absolute fool sometimes yeah um and i'm jovial and i have a bit of a laugh um but yeah. they also would probably say i'd have their back and i'd be there in a heartbeat if they needed me
0: amazing I, I think that's um i think that's incredibly important jeremy do you think that um do you feel like you're the same person because the same that i really struggle with um i at work it's very sort of systems and processes and there's a lot of things to get right and very professional in my personal life not so much but do you think do you feel like you're the same person at work and home uh, or do you feel like you have to be two different people or how do you kind of how do you bring those two things together because that's something that i've really struggled with for a long time I, I mean i don't want to be someone that is um inauthentic um but i also know we've got to get a work done a job done it's really difficult
1: to be honest, you've just hit the nail on the head for me. And I think personally, it would be exhausting to be two different people. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just do. And
0: also, you get caught out, you know, like there's no point
1: well, being you're not. As much as I like to think I'm a superhero, um, it's not happening. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's a few more. Uh, it, it, I think what it comes down to is you just have to be your authentic self. Mm. And your authentic self is someone, you know, you you genuinely know who you are and you leave with your authentic self. Um, when you, you know, want to influence change and when you want to do things to inspire others, um, when you're constructing this persona who is projecting these things at school, how are how are your colleagues going to build trust? Mm. How are they going to? And these are just my own things. Yeah, yeah. thing behind it. But I think you are who you are. And I think the workplace I'm currently in is, is a place where I genuinely feel I am and embraced and kind That's of... Right really like and everyone is um the the, you know principal and deputy principal i work with we constantly laugh or joke or thing and i just am who i am and i go do you know what that was just stupid and or we can just have those conversations which are just really raw and great but also really robust yeah Um, it's 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 really and i think those things um you know you you've got to be ready to rumble, be ready to uh, be open. Because if not, and I think that's also the same in my personal life, then there's a lot of layers of just working out what have I said to what person and all those aspects.
0: Yeah. Jeremy, do you think you, do you have balance?
1: Balance is a learned skill.
0: Is it? Talk to me about that. It's,
1: um, do you know, the the pandemic was a great opportunity to learn what balance does not look like right um you know the the situation we went through in the last couple of years around trying to keep on top of changes when it comes to how you run a school yeah uh, assessment demands all those sort of things was a, a real great opportunity for some steep learning for a lot of us but an opportunity where i observed some behaviors within myself where there wasn't balance yeah um so i'm very conscious around what can you control um, in one's life, to in order to have balance, and there are probably two big factors: exercise and food. For me, um, exercise is something I'm very regimented by, um, and I make sure it's a very big part of my life. Right. Work, work by no means. Um, you know, work is fast-paced, rich, full, enriching. It's exciting, but at the end of the day, uh, my colleagues aren't going to have the best me if I'm not give, If I'm not looking after myself. Yeah. Um, and I also reflect that to the colleagues I work with as well, which is what are you doing in your life to give yourself balance? And is this a today problem or can you just walk away and have some time yeah. for you? The other thing is food. I'm very particular around preparing food for myself every day. Um, you know, if you're eating well, it's just all that stuff for the brain and all those sort of things, everything in moderation. Um, yeah. and, that, and I believe that's the way that I try and inject balance in my life. Um, yeah. Schools are great places where things can just change. Um, so what, what are the things you can control? And, you know, Mm. after after work are very challenging at times because sometimes you plan to leave at four and you just need to make sure you're getting something done. So I choose to exercise in the morning, um, sleep's the other factor. Sleep is one of the biggest things that I I constantly try to work at. And I'll be honest, I'm not good at it. Um, I aim for those seven to eight hours every night. Um and I'm probably on the six and a half, seven cusp. Um, but it's a really important factor. And I and those three things are really important so I can be my best self for others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, and a- apart from sleep, uh, Jeremy, is there an area in your life that you are currently under investing in? Ooh, that's a, it's a curly question, I know. It is a curly question. Um It could be, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it could be a relationship. You could have a burning desire to write more or read more or look at your phone less. Or Is there something that you are under-investing in that you are currently trying to, um, yeah, bring up? Actually, the one that
1: just kind of sparked a bit of, yeah, I was like, well, that's a really good one, was the technology one. Technology is a really interesting one especially since our lives just kind of operate around um, our phones. Mm. And one of the things around being overseas recently was you're so caught behind a phone taking photos or observing or messaging, you know, that it's an interesting moment when you just put your phone away
0: mm. and you
1: know, just exist in the moment.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: So that kind of less old technology, it's kind of a devil's advocate because it's 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 all around us, and we have to embrace. Um, but it is something conscious around, very much around my bedtime. I'm I'm so bad around. Okay, put the phone down because that means it's wind down time, so I can sleep. Those sort of things. It, it's something that I think is a work in progress.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, um, Jeremy. I wanted to move uh, and talk a little bit about your um, your current role, um, and I'm just really interested. Um, to hear about how you define leadership and what are some of the things that you, I think have uh, maybe stayed the same in terms of how we define leadership and also more recently changed?
1: Yeah, it's a really, a really interesting one because leadership for me is constantly evolving and changing Mm. Um, and something that I've recognized within myself to unpack, um, both personally and professionally. Yeah. Um, you you can go through, you know, the early stages of leadership and really define your leadership philosophy and really think around, well, what does it mean to be a leader? Um, and I'm very clear on that. You know, I know very, for myself, I'm very relational as a leader. Um, I'm, I'm particular about being clear, coherent, keeping to timelines, um, transparency and all of those sort of aspects. Um, and I can say those words and, and I'm sure people will go like oh yeah that's so cliche and that but it's what actually really comes down to is enacting that and how you enact that day to day and for me um, recently um, I've always engaged with a, um, a coach um, around what does it mean to be a great leader um, because there are days it's actually really challenging um, and there are days when it's hard Um but for me, it's when you, it's how you come back from those days, which really clearly defined you as a person and as a leader within a school. Um, that's really important. And there are moments that are ups and downs, um, but it's having those strategies to think through well, what can I do? Now, just starting my new role in term four of last year.
0: Um, that's tough. I, what's that? That's <laughs> yeah. tough. Yeah, like, it's tough. Or coming uh, into a new leadership role. Yeah. What was that I like? Mean,
1: and one of the things around the role I've, I've um, come into is it's a brand new role within the school, so it's non-existent. Right. So I'm quite lucky in the respect that there is no precedent for what that looks like. Um, and so I've been able to shape that, been able to look at, you know, well, what does that mean? Um, but also I've had conversations around, yep, that's not my role. Um, thank you for, uh, you know, offering some feedback around, but no, that's not, you know, what this role was designed, this is what that looks like. So having those uh, clear conversations around, well, this is what it is and what I'm, I'm leading for. Yeah. Um, Interesting. One of those things when I looked at that, you know, the first 100 days. Yeah. And, you know, very particular around um, if you do come out of the first 100 days of school, and um, the first 100 days of being a leader, you um, you know, I do often think around and one of your earlier questions is, well, what do, what do you want your colleagues to think or what do you want your colleagues to be? And, um, you know, it's interesting around how many conversations can you have with people around you? Um, and for me, that's been really important. How many people can I speak to in a week? Uh, I work with uh, professional and academic staff of over 400. Um, and so there are a lot of people in our organisation uh, but having some really great conversations, uh, being visible, and making time to be visible um, has been really important. And that's not something um, with me. I'm very, very particular around my calendar, and I do put in time. Check emails for forty-five minutes, and I block it, and I check the emails, and I move on, <laughs> um, knowing that you know you've got things that come in and out, but. To be visible, I'd book time in my calendar and, and say, right, this is the time where I'm going over to the prep to three space and I'm going to be present because um, I've blocked that time and I want to be with my colleagues and chat and find out and and all those sort of things. Um, and that's just what I value. Yeah. Uh, that's all sense. But building those relationships for me have been really important and I feel like there are people as I spend more time in my, in my current context that... I can say, can I ask you some feedback around this? Or what do you think of this? Or can can you push me in the right direction? I need to understand this. Where can I, who can help me understand this? It's been great for conversations.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I mean, there's so much um, in that, Jeremy. I love that you actually put time in your calendar to, to be visible um, because we all know that visible leadership is is really important for colleagues to see you. Walking through the school and interacting with people is um is, is really really important, but I wonder if few people actually have that as an appointment in their calendar. I think that's that that's incredible. And just wondering because I'm kind of nerding out on how you organise your calendar. Um, do you colour code your calendar? Do you have different um uh, different themes for each day? I mean, practically, what does that look like, and how do you um when you're at school, are you there for the students? And when you're at home, you're doing your job. Like how does it actually work um, practically? Because I'm sure if you're not careful, your calendar can be um, can be taken over in an instant. So talk to me about some of your specifics with your calendar and mm-hmm. how do you actually create space to do that? You, you
1: Time is a choice and how you spend time is a very clear choice. Right. And I look at things, um, you know, in, in two-week blocks. I, I'm one of those people that come from that just likes being highly organized. Um, And I think around, okay, what needs to be achieved by when, by how much and all that. And so you have to block time um, for that. And so sometimes I will block a two hour period that says, just get work done. And that's when you make your lists and you go through and you get things done. Um, But that's one part of my role. The other part of my role is, you know, thinking around and, and to be honest, I don't color code my calendar. I don't make any special tricks or anything with that. I'm very lucky that I have assistance with my calendar who I get some protection around that um, in terms of some support. But it's a constant conversation around what we talked around earlier, what is balanced and what is achievable. Mm. And there was one moment, I guess, in the last uh, six months where, and it was unavoidable, um, but it was a good lesson and a good reminder of what not to do, which is I had a day that was back to back to back to back to back with a 15-minute lunch break that was actually seven minutes because something was running back and then getting to the end of the day. And that, and what did that achieve? Great. I saw a lot of people I needed to, you know, tick some things off. My meetings that I needed to do were achieved. But what was the cost of that? You know, a big day. Um, and was I my best self at the end of the day? No. Um, and I recognise that. Hence why I, I know I went for a run at the end of that day just to decompress. Um, but you have to think around your time, your calendar as a way of protecting yourself, but also being your best self for your organization. So there is a mixture in my day between getting work done, focus time, meeting time, even scheduling and food time, um, because it's important. Um, those sort of things are really important. So there's no tricks around how I do it, around there's no colors, uh, there's no um, you know special programs I'm doing, um, I'm also very conscious around the ad hoc, you know, being approachable and being able for people to drop in and those sort of things. And and just through my career and through, you know, doing things like coaching and all those sort of things, I'm, I think I've just come to a point where I'm able to have a conversation around what does this mean? What do you need? Is this a conversation for today or can we place this in a time and have that space? Great. Why don't we make a time? Let's do it for then. Moving on. So then it doesn't. Into the other spaces, yeah, and uh, I say that like it happens every day, it's yeah, it's
0: interesting, but that, that's the aim. And are you uh as structured in your personal life? I mean, do you know when you're meeting, yeah. who you're seeing? No, 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 not
1: that, not that, but I do have a, a, a personal calendar and you know, one that I share with um, my partner, and yeah, we make sure we just, yeah, what's yeah. on this, there's stuff that's in, yeah their calendar than the stuff that's
0: in my personal calendar and then at my work so one of the best things that like we have uh two little kids one of them uh which you saw running in I just say goodnight. um uh so my wife and I have uh, a shared calendar which is amazing um and we will sit down uh usually on a Sunday afternoon and say and just have a logistical conversation about who is picking up who from when and what's happening with soccer and all that kind of stuff so we found that actually using a little bit of foresight when it comes to planning time is really, really important. And I've just started sort of bookending my days with like a morning routine, which could be read and stretch and go for a run. And then an evening routine, which is tidy the dishes, stretch, and I don't know, read a book. And so I've found like having those very clear beginning and end of day routines work quite well for me personally. And also like, I, I do love a color-coded calendar. I'm sorry, I just love a. Yeah, I know for me, family is green because that's my surname. So anytime I see family stuff, I know that's what we have to do. But we also um, have themes for particular days, which sounds incredibly nerdy. So for me, there are certain days that I record podcast episodes. There's certain days where um, I'm catching up with friends. And so if somebody asks if I'm free, I tend to look and do all of those things on that particular day, but that's just, that's nerding out hardcore. So we've probably lost some of the uh, the audience there, mate, so we might have. Uh, we'll, no, we'll well, uh, look, and, and everyone,
1: each their own. I, I yeah. do include people that just totally throw the rules out of the book and, and operate to the beat of their own drum. So everyone, yeah. everyone, everyone finds their own way.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And um, Jeremy, I, I do want to be respectful of your time, so I've just got a couple more questions. I mean, yeah. there are. I feel like we've been talking for five minutes, but it's been uh, been been close to an hour. Um, and I'm sure at some point we can do a round two. But I, I'm just so grateful that you would take the time to um, uh, to, to talk to me uh, today. Um, when we're considering if you were building an education system from the ground up, so if you got to Start building a brand new school. Uh, what do you think would some would be some of its essential qualities in terms of curriculum and also staff culture?
1: Really, actually, interesting one because a colleague and I laughed the other day around how can
0: we get finance to start a school? Mate, if um, you are if you are hiring, you hit yeah. me up. And come straight to Melbourne.
1: No, no, and and I've actually I've been fascinated by that concept because I started in my school in Hong Kong when it was in in second year. Right. And i was really loving that from the perspective of zero culture, establishing culture, establishing, you know, what does it, what does it mean to work here? What is the vision? What are we trying to do? Um, I'm really torn actually when it comes to, I I do, I I come from the space around, I love to innovate, but I'm also conscious around not blowing up the system. Right, and so a good example of that at the moment is where I sit when it comes to reading and the science of reading and my influence of that. Um, what is really really important, but also I love things like a Reggio inspired philosophy in the juniors inquiry, those sort of things, and they they thematically come through for me. So there are a lot of interesting uh, bits that come through for what that means. If I could go very basic would love co-ed co-ed for me is probably uh you know a really amazing space that i'm in right now and having worked in single sex both in boys and girls um i'm enjoying that space um and that creativity from both genders working uh the students in yeah. the ones yeah thing. um what would my school look like um It's not going to be a school that has four walls and classrooms, but it's also not going to be the other end, which is um, choose your own adventure and loose. Um, And that's why I was reflecting around the innovation and that sort of aspect. Um, Just from my travels, I was lucky enough to go through uh, Finland and just experience what they had as the world's, you know, premier education system. And I really just enjoyed that. There was high quality teaching and learning and people that really valued education. And I think fundamentally, there's a lot of other factors around why um, Finland succeeds in education. But for me, um, in terms of the people, people who just love education, and genuinely love being a teacher. And I think that there's more to that than watching them teach a lesson. Um, I think it's when you hear them speak around education, if you could multiply those people into all your classrooms, then the curriculum is naturally going to follow, the pedagogy is naturally going to follow, which for me is that regio, that inquiry approach to education, but still with the view that you need to explicitly teach the skill before you yeah. go into the inquiry and use things. Interesting. Um, yeah, very influenced at the moment by um, what follows and looking at um, you know, skills and thinking around well, what does it mean around my development of skills and how do I know how well I'm doing in order to move into the world? Um, in that sort of sense, and also very influenced at the moment by technology, um, things like AI, working with AI, not against it, embracing, um, but also thinking around, you know, there is a place always for numeracy and literacy education, always a place. but then there is a place where we can start playing with this concept around you know entrepreneurship um you know i think philosophy is a really beautiful thing to teach that critical thinking philosophy is something there is something in that um and it is offered you know in an international baccalaureate context at a year 11 and 12 and and in the VCE. um what does that look like in our classrooms as a substantial subject yeah. Um, I'm wondering, because you know I know classrooms and schools do it in their own ways. Um, I very much play around that. I probably haven't hit the nail on the head and said it's going to be this with this with this. Oh. Um, but I also know that it's a place where I do want colleagues to feel growth uh, to feel like they're a part of a community, to feel like they're valued um and to have a sense that um, we are a learning community first and foremost yeah. for all the children in our care.
0: yeah. I feel like we've uh, just got a scoop uh, on a school that you're about to start uh, in a few years' time. Maybe in that sort of three to five year itch. Yeah, it's is, uh, it's something that, you know I do think around. Like, yeah. Why? So yeah. Yep. The the
1: thing around it is, you know, what does it mean to lead, mm-hmm. and I think lead a school, and I think for me, someone you know the the, the role of educator, yes, but then my business hat goes on and things around okay financially how would you pay for that master plan yeah you know even simple little things around i've already got in my head who would be the composition of the board in order to influence or ask right questions for the outcomes we need for our students
0: interesting well uh watch the space those people that are listening i'm sure uh they'll see your name in a few years attached to a school. I think that's, um. Even, I think it's really interesting just to ask those questions um, and ask what is essential. And I think that um, we are at a point in history where some really big questions are being asked about schooling and also the role of teachers. And I think while the COVID-19 pandemic has been uh, a tragic and really difficult for so many, and I don't want to downplay that, I think it's also caused to caused us to ask some really fundamental questions around education, um, and so uh, yeah, I, I'm very uh, I feel very privileged to be at this point in history where those questions are being asked. Um, Jeremy, let's just imagine we're sitting down and I'm trying my first long black in a while, and you're having yours, and um, and I'm just about to step into the classroom for the first time. Um, so I'm a bright eyed, bushy tailed teaching graduate, um, what is a short piece of advice that you would give me?
1: Find an amazing mentor. Okay. And that's, that's probably first and foremost. Find an amazing mentor, that person that you can just uh, talk to around your day. Teaching is challenging. I'm not yeah. going to say it's an easy geek. Um, but find an amazing mentor who can support you, who can laugh with you, who can go, okay, what, what do you need right now? Um, and, you know just just guide you through that first year um, and I know that's not directly influencing you know the students in that I think there's a lot of things that you know they need to support them to be the best selves but I think that when they're supported in that respect they're going to be the best practitioners for the students in their care yeah and and do you know what Kids are agile. I know that um, you know, there's moments of their support that we can ensure that they are the best practitioner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would also add to that, um the mentors don't necessarily need to be within your school. I mean, some of my um um uh, some of the the mentors that I treasure most are actually outside the system that I work in. Um, some of them are within. And so I would encourage people listening to um, if you don't have the privilege of having an amazing mentor where you work there are countless of people countless people around the country and around the world that would talk to you and support you and so i mean twitter podcasts there's so many ways to reach out to people now it's amazing
1: so many ways and i have a coach at the moment that's not even in the same yeah. state well yeah. actually like travels abroad all the time and so we talk to exactly. are overseas and all that and i think at the end of the day um for me it's It's actually really nice to talk to someone that's not within my school context. Absolutely. Um, They ask really great
0: questions. And uh, if we were having that same cup of coffee, um, but I was about to step into a leadership position for the first time, what, uh, what advice would you give me as a budding new school leader? To spend the time to listen and
1: understand before thinking around change. Right. We all get very excited about what we see and go. Yes, let's do that. Let's change that. Um, I think there's a lot to be said around um, looking, listening, and understanding, and observing, um, and just um, being being with people. Especially if it's an established environment or you're coming up. Wow. Um, I think I look at that through the context. If you're coming into a news context, listen and understand. Yeah. I think if you're coming up from within. Just establish those relationships and really build that trust and rapport because the change and everything you want to do will come. Right. Uh it doesn't have to be done in the first week.
0: Absolutely. Um I couldn't agree more, Jeremy. And I'm I'm so grateful that you would talk to me today. I, I know how structured your calendar is. So I'm so grateful that I managed to get on it, um, especially outside of school hours. So um I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I'll put links to, uh, all of the, the resources that you recommended, the courage to be disliked that book and any other resources that you would like in the show notes. But, uh, I'm hugely grateful that you'll take the time to talk to me. Thank you so much.
1: No, thank you much. Much appreciated.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to the art of teaching podcast today. I hope that you, like me, got some valuable insights out of our discussions. For show notes, please visit theartofteachingpodcast.com. And I've also created a private Facebook group where we continue the discussion there. The link will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and can't wait to see you for next week's episode.